You're listening to the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast with Chicago attorney Dave Scriven Young. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 267 of the Lawyer Lifestyle Podcast for July 23rd, 2020. My name is Dave Scriven Young, an attorney from Chicago, Illinois, and I'll be your host. This podcast takes you on a daily journey to discover key principles in the areas of marketing, sales, and leadership for attorneys. What follows is audio from last night's Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. You can join our discussion every Wednesday night on social media. You can find out more at facebook.com slash lawyers EQ. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Well, welcome to the Lawyers Emotional Intelligence Book Club. My name is Dave Scriven Young, a lawyer focusing on litigation, environmental law, and construction law from Chicago, Illinois. We're hoping to create the next generation of lawyers with high emotional intelligence through a weekly book club and daily practical posts at facebook.com slash lawyers EQ. During our book club discussions, we'll do a deep dive into books that will help us develop emotional intelligence skills, specifically think about how we can use those skills in our law practices. I'll be live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central for this discussion, and it is a discussion, so please liberally use the box below to ask questions and to make comments. I don't sit here as an expert. On the contrary, I'll be learning along with all of you, and I'm really interested in hearing your opinions and observations. So welcome again uh, to the book club. So happy uh, to see everyone here. Uh, Welcome in to Jamie, who's watching on Facebook, Kathy as well. Um, as well as Charlie, who's watching on YouTube. So welcome to everyone who's tuned in uh, thus far. Uh, glad that you could uh, make it uh, make it today. So let's just dive right into uh, the discussion for today. So a little bit about me. Um, as you probably know, I uh, graduated from DePaul in Chicago in 2003. I'm senior counsel at Picard and Abramson in Chicago. I'm a civil litigator, uh, meaning that I practice commercial litigation as well as alternative dispute resolution. For those of you who don't know, commercial litigation just means business disputes, so contract disputes, fraud disputes, and the like. Um, We also practice construction law and environmental law um, in our office. So my mission, why do I, why am I on tonight? Um, well, I try to identify and share historically correct knowledge and resources and hopefully in an inspiring and entertaining format in order to help others meet and exceed goals and, and standards in every area of their lives. So, um, you know, one of the ways I do that is, of course, through this show, but also through my Lawyer Lifestyle podcast, where I focus on marketing, sales, and leadership, specifically for attorneys. But I think non-attorneys get a lot of uh, use out of the knowledge that I share there as well. So let's talk about, let's do a sort of a wrap-up of the things that we talked about um, the last few episodes of this uh, video uh, show we were talking about sort of self-management and uh, we used the stress solution by Dr. Chatterjee as our textbook. And we went through a lot of material. And so just wanted to have sort of a a more uh, broad ranging discussion with folks who are watching as to uh, some of the things that, that we talked about in the past. And so as sort of a reminder, he basically divides up uh, our stress categories into four areas. So these are areas that either can stress us out or areas that can help us deal with our stress and help us to reduce our stress. So the first was purpose. And Dr. Chatterjee talked about uh, four, or four ways that you can 
have your actions more in align with your purpose. Because if they're not, that's what really can stress you out. So think about things that you really don't want to do or, or that you have to do that you that you do anyway, that it maybe isn't in line with who you are as a person or with yeah, what, your perp- what you believe your purpose to be in life. Um, and so that is, those are situations that can definitely stress you out, right? And so there are some ways that we can get over that. So one is using um, an affirmation, something that reminds you about your purpose or reminds you uh, to not be so stressed out. For me, it's reminding myself that um, I am not stressed and that I'm peaceful. Um, that that helps me to, if I recall that affirmation, that helps me to uh, to, to not be so stressed in the moment. Um, also reframing is a big thing. And we've all, I think, done that throughout this uh, time in quarantine and with the pandemic. Uh, we've dealt with sort of taking our present situation and trying to reframe it into something uh, that is is good, or at least you can see the silver lining in it, right? So, you know, taking a, a period of time where we have to stay at home, or perhaps if you are b- being able to spend more time with your family, with your children, um, or if you're able to, you know, for example, you don't have to, you don't have to go to the office, you don't have such a long commute. So there are ways to sort of reframe a stressful situation. And that's, that's a way to do that as well. The third, of course, is gratitude. And people have talked about, you know, forever, um, that having a gratitude practice is something that uh, can really help you to deal with uh, a stressful situation or to prepare you for um, a stressful situation. If you remind yourself of the good things that you have in your life through um, a, a daily or a nightly gratitude session. Dr. Shatterjee talked so much about having a nightly one, which I enjoyed, um, which is essentially something like thinking about maybe three things that happened to you or three things maybe that you ate or watched on TV or a pleasant conversation you had with your spouse, whatever that might be, uh, you could be grateful for that and feel gratitude. And that's going to help bring down your stress as well. And uh, scheduling your time and morning routines certainly something that I think we all can can benefit from, especially lawyers who, you know, our time is very much at a premium. Um, scheduling time to make sure you get everything in, but then spe- scheduling some time for yourself, for some things that, that you love and that you're passionate about uh, is certainly something that, um, that you should do as well. And then morning routines, I think, is an excellent way to make sure that if, just to do little things that that can help you uh, to prepare yourself uh, for what could be a stressful day. And then finally, living more. So uh, living or living and doing things that you love, that's the L. Um, acting with intention, that's I. Uh, having a vision for your life, that's V. And then E is engaging. So engaging with others, helping others. And that's how to L-I-V-E, live more, right? Um, and so I would love to hear if, you know, if you did any of these um, over the past couple of weeks, would love to hear, you know, which of those you enjoyed the most, or if you enjoyed perhaps the, uh, a discussion of that the most as well. Then we went, we dove into relationships and we talked about how the sense of touch uh, can help you to reduce your stress. Something that I did, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago is I went with my wife to get a pedicure. Uh, it was her, uh, her birthday, her 29th birthday, of course. And, um, so yeah, we, we went to this, you know, spa and I had no idea what to expect. Uh, but 
and, and I, it's not something I necessarily ever thought that I wanted to do. And I don't know that necessarily would, would ever do that again, but I can understand why people go, um, especially with a sense of touch, because there were so many things that, that happened uh, while I was there. I mean, the first thing is they put you in this like massage chair. And so I was, you know, my back and my shoulders and my, you know, uh, small of my back, all of that were, were being massaged as this uh, nice lady was, you know, doing things to my legs and my feet, you know, essentially, you know, she got out these little things and, you know, just made my feet uh, look, look nice, feel nice. And then, you know, she wrapped them in this, um, I don't know, all this sort of like salts and everything that happened. Um, and then uh, put this hot wax on my feet. So a lot of great things sort of as in terms of sense of touch that you wouldn't expect. So I, so you can definitely, I mean, people, I think, understand how a massage can um, reduce your stress while also, you know, something like getting a pedicure, or I'm sure a manicure is sort of the same way. Um, even though you have a complete stranger uh, doing it, um, it's, it's not, it doesn't really seem, it didn't really seem at the time as awkward as maybe I'm explaining it now. Uh, but if you've ever had a pedicure or manicure, would love to hear, you know, your, co your comments on that, you know, put, put something in the comment about, you know, if you go, if you've gone on a regular basis and that sort of thing, uh, because it's, it's definitely not something that I would, um, you know, do again intentionally, um, not because, um, I didn't enjoy it, but it's just something that, I don't know, it just, it wasn't necessarily for me, but I did get, I did certainly feel, um, you know, that much less stressed uh, when I came out of that um, as well. So, and then I also, we also talked about uh, nurturing relationships and how, you know, spending time with friends, spending time with family intentionally um, can help you to reduce stress. Um, and, you know, I think, especially in this pandemic and with the quarantine, we felt a lot about, um, you know, how we've lost touch with people uh, with our busy lives and that perhaps sort of reframing uh, the this quarantine, uh, perhaps we hopefully we've all found time to spend more time with our friends. We've, we've found uh, more time to intentionally maybe have those Zoom calls or now that, you know, things are opening up again, having those, you know, physically distant uh, conversations in the backyard or, you know, going to a friend's house and the like. So, um, you know, definitely uh, the relationships is, is a big deal. Um, and then we turn to the body. So we talked about eating our stuff happy and how, you know, the things that we eat can really affect our mood, can really uh, affect our stress. And if we eat well, if we eat good things, uh, it's going to help us to feel better and to feel happier. Um, and I've definitely noticed that, you know, in the past, you know, couple of weeks where I think my diet has kind of been up and down in terms of things that I ate. And, you know, I definitely, when I don't eat the things that I should be doing, I definitely feel more tired, feel more, you know, lethargic, feel like I don't want to get up. Um, but when I'm, when I'm eating better, when I stick to a routine as in terms of what I, when I'm eating, um, I automatically feel better, feel more energetic, feel like I want to get up and, and do things. So, uh, that's definitely something that I uh, saw. And then in terms of resetting your rhythm, you know, we had this, we had a great conversation with our guest and um, it, it was kind of, you know, a little bit frightening in terms of, you know, how many times that I, you know, stayed out late and, you know, when I was, you know, doing things and then, you know, got up early in the morning and only got like four or three to four hours of sleep and how that could really, you know, affect, you know, 
what I do affect my health. I'm sure a lot of people uh, feel that way as well. Uh, we talked about uh, the Mayans, so in terms of technology overload and how we how we can avoid that through really intentional use of our technology, especially our cell phones, especially social media, right? Um, it's so easy, and I know I know it's weird to talk about you know avoiding technology overload on an internet show, uh, but you know I think there there's a good side and a bad side to social media. And sort of the the mindless uh, uh, consumption of social media uh, when you really could be doing other things when you you know can get your mind off of that um, uh, is a good thing from time to time. Uh, we had a great discussion about bathing ourselves in nature in terms of you know getting outside, uh, doing hiking, um, and lots of other you know sort of travel related things. So you know when when places open up again. Uh, I intend to to get out in nature a little bit more. And then, you know, last time we talked about, you know, taking time to breathe. So practicing meditation, practicing just deep breathing exercises to help us to um, reduce our stress. And so I guess what I would I would say, you know, again, in the comments, you know, tell tell me what which one that you found the most uh, interesting that you found the most impactful. What I will tell you is. I think there's really uh, two sides to this story. You know, one is, you know, when you're stressed out, you can use any one of these things to help reduce your stress. I think that's definitely true no matter what it is. You can, you know, look at, you know, when, you when you're in a stressful situation and you close that door to your office or your bedroom or wherever you're, you know, doing your work from these days – um, and, you know, you're really stressed out. What are, what are things that you can do to calm yourself down other than, you know, going in the fridge or the pantry, right? Or uh, binging on social media. Lots of things you could do. You could, you know, you could, you could go to the refrigerator and maybe eat, eat, eat some fruit or some grapes or something. Um, you could practice uh, gratitude. You could look at your situation and try to reframe it. Um, you could talk to a friend or a family member. Uh, you could bathe yourself in nature by just, you know, perhaps going out in the backyard or even just looking at um, a picture on your cell phone. I mean, uh, while I was doing work uh, only a couple of days ago, I turned on some uh, soft music with some nature sounds uh, in the background, some birds chirping, um, waterfalls, that sort of thing. And I really saw my uh, tension and my stress go down um, just from just from doing that um, because, you know, I was very stressed out and then I kind of brought myself down a little bit. So I think any of these, any of these items I think could be really helpful. But I think there's another side, which is um, you could really help yourself prepare uh, for your day. Right. I think all of us are looking for kind of that edge that that thing is going to help us sort of put us uh, over and above our competition, whether that's, you know, in our law firms or or wherever we are in life. And I think a lot of these practices are good for us because they sort of prime us and get get us ready for get us ready for a stressful situation. Because, you know, as I sort of think about my life and think about, you know, the things that that I've done, you know, really. It, you you can't really make progress without some stress, right? If you want to totally get yourself away from stress, uh, I don't think you're gonna you're not gonna do a lot in life, right? I mean, I think you can still have a fulfilling life, but I, I don't think you're gonna do the kind of things that you want to do. And I think you know if you're watching this and you're a lawyer, um, you you wanted to do you became a lawyer because you wanted to help people because you wanted to you know get people out of situations you wanted to help them with an estate plan or with a divorce or whatever all of that comes with stress 
And so all of these things can help us uh, to prepare us to get into those stressful situations. And then once we're done with that stressful situation can help us, can help bring us down. So I think there's a lot of different ways to look at these things. You know, one, ex one of that uh, great examples is just a sleep category uh, because so many ways that, you know, we know that sleep, the lack of sleep can hurt us, but alternatively, a, um, a an abundance of sleep, a, a good quantity and quality of sleep can really help us to move ourselves forward and to get ready for the day, right? If we're, uh, if we don't get enough sleep, we're, we're blurry eyed, we're uh, not in, in great health, and maybe we walk into a courtroom and, and, you know, or, you know, whatever we're doing that day, walking to a courtroom, having a phone conversation, um, you know, doing something by Zoom, whatever we're doing, uh, is going to be a little bit stressful. And so coming into that with a, a restful presence and um, a, a good demeanor, happy demeanor, is always going to be better than walking in, you know, blurry-eyed and tired, right? So lots of ways to sort of think about uh, stress and these the ways that we can uh, reduce our stress as well. So we're going to be talking about something new today. We're going to be talking about um, a new emotional intelligence skill, and that is going to be how do I stop brushing people off when something is bothering me? And so this topic comes uh, from the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book, uh, which is uh, a great book. And I think, as I mentioned, uh, when we you know very first started this uh, video cast, this book club, um, it started with the idea that, you know, perhaps law school does not teach us all of the skills that we need to know. And I think that's that's a given. But I think most people think about, um, you know, like business development skills, which I think this can definitely be a part of. It helps with that. Um, but to me, it's more it's more of the soft skills in terms of emotional skills that, that they don't teach. Right. And so we started off by talking about uh, change and how, you know, a lot of lawyers, you know, me included, are resistant to change. Um, and so that was one of the emotional intelligence skills we worked on. Um, for the last few weeks, we've been working about talking about stress and how to work through how to reduce our stress, right? Um, and so that's what we talked about that. And today we're going to be talking about a new skill. So, again, what I would recommend is if you haven't yet, uh, go out and buy Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I don't get any, you know, profits, residuals. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. Uh, but you, what you want to do is uh, take the test that's included in the book, um, and it will show you. Once you take the test, it'll show you, you know, where your your intelligent emotional intelligence is high and which you really need to work on. And those are the ones that you want to go through in the book um, and really work on. And so what I do on this book club is, you know, I took the test and, you know, those are the, the top three skills that I needed to work on. Uh, being resist, uh, Stop being resistant to change and accepting change, um, letting stress get the best of me, and how to stop uh, brushing people off when something is bothering me. Now, I think all of these, all of these skills are things that we all need to work on, um, but these are the ones specifically that, um, most interested me because, you know, these are the ones that I wanted to work on. So let's dive into uh, 
our, our conversation about this new emotional intelligence skill. And of course, you know, this comes up, I think, all the time, right? Uh, because, and it go, and it comes with sort of the stress scenario. So you're stressed out about something, you know, something is bothering you and it could be a number of different things. It could be, you know, I don't know, uh, a judge that made a ruling that you don't agree with or an opposing counsel who was rude to you or a law partner who, I don't know, is doing something that's annoying you and not getting their time in, whatever it is that you may be annoyed about, right? And so the question is, how do you, so you're bothered by something and how do you, how do you react to that? Um, for people like me, I tend to just brush people off when something is bothering me. Uh, meaning that, you know, I don't want to talk to people. I want to be by myself. Um, and that's not a great thing when, uh, when you're a lawyer because you have to deal with people all the time. Um, you have to deal with your clients. You have to deal with judges, opposing counsel, your own, you know, partners, your, your spouse, your family, your friends, everybody. And uh, the thing about our profession is you have to um, deal with people if you want clients, right? Because clients are people, no matter if you represent uh, the biggest business to government organization, there's always, or public interest organization, what have you, there's always a person one one or two people that you have to deal with on a daily basis who are the client, right? That could be a general counsel or a plant manager or a business owner, whoever it is, uh, you are uh, going to be have to deal with that person. And so if you are, you know, bothered by someone and you're brushing people off, you're brushing off your your client, that's not a good thing. Or if you're not treating them in the way that you should, that's not great. And they don't teach you in law school how to deal with people. And I think, you know, part of the problem of, of why, you know, people come out of law school, some people come out of law school being a problem in this area. Um, it's because you don't really give you those type of skills in law school, right? So uh, there are two things that um, I wanted to talk about and one just an overview, but one I wanted to do a little bit more of a deep dive. Um, one is, so in this uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book, um, they basically give you um, your scenario. And again, this is a self-management uh, strategy, right? Um, they talk, so once you take the test, you can figure out, you know, in what areas you're weakest in. Mine was self-management. And so it, they give you sort of, okay, well, you know, these are the, the top three. So, you know, my third was brushing people off. And so they give you sort of a recommended action to take in order to help. And as I went through the book, I thought, well, these are really interesting, but they don't really give you sort of more detail. So, you know, the one was like, well, don't let stress get the better of you, which I think is a great platitude and very true. But how do you do that? And so I tried to find a book that I thought really helped us to um go work through uh, some of those problems, right? And that was Dr. Chatterjee's stress solution book. Well, the recommended action for stop uh, to stop brushing people off when something is bothering you is to take control of your self-talk, sort of that internal monologue, right? And so um, that that's good, and we're going to go through that in a second. But then... Uh, I wanted to find a book that would help us to work through some of those ideas a little more thoroughly. And so the book that I found is called Nonviolent Communication uh, by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. Very interesting book. 
Um, I've been through a little bit of it, uh, at least preparing for our next session. And that's going to help us with not only communicating with ourselves in, ter in terms of our own self-talk, but with others as well. So it's going to help you to stop brushing people off in terms of your own internal sense. But then what about the thing that's bothering you? How do you, com how do you communicate to others or perhaps the person who's bothering you? How do you communicate that to that person? Um, well, that's how the nonviolent communication book is going to help us. So let's talk a little bit about um, our self-talk uh, because, you know, studies have shown that we have approximately 50,000 thoughts every day and that every time we have a thought, uh, there are chemicals that are produced in the brain that can tr trigger reactions that are felt throughout the body. So if you ever, you know, you know, thought if you've watched a scary movie, for example, or you've had, you know, a particularly emotional thought that actually can um, affect you, you and your body. And there's a strong relationship between what we think, how we feel, uh, both uh, physically and emotionally. So thoughts can really dictate how we feel um, every hour of every day. So if you really, you really need to be conscious about um, you know, what you put in your mind. And I, you know, there are so many, um, so many like podcasts and, and books that you can read about, you know, the, how, yes, what you put in your body is very, um, it's important. It's critical, right? But also what you put in your mind is as critical, uh, as what you put in your body because, uh, how you, what you think is also how you feel, um, how your body is physically, they're all interconnected. And apparently, according to Emotional Intelligence 2.0, the most influential thoughts are those where you literally talk to yourself. So the self-talk principle, right? And so why is self-talk so important? So a few, a few different reasons. Uh, one is that our thoughts sort of turn the heat up or down when we have an emotional experience. And I can totally relate to that, right? Um, you have you, you have something you know terrible or scary that happens to you, and in the moment, how you what you think about what is happening happening to you can really make yourself um, even more scared or emotional, or it can calm you down, right? So uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a situation where. You know, I, I've been, well, I've been in a, a few situations where I've gotten hurt in terms of, you know, just started bleeding or, or whatever. And, um, you know, like I uh, cut myself, cut my finger, actually, my thumb um, with a, a dinner knife uh, about two weeks ago. And, you know, I was just cutting some sweet potatoes, we were going to grill them. Um, and, you know, I cut myself and just started bleeding. I, it was a pretty, pretty bad cut. And so, in that moment, if I would have, you know, freaked out, if I would have allowed myself to sort of get um, to think about, oh, my gosh, did I really hurt myself? Am I have to get stitches? Am I have to go to the hospital? All of this stuff, um, it would have really intensified the emotional experience. But then, you know, thinking about it sort of rationally that, okay, I just need to take this sort of like one step at a time. So I need to go upstairs. I need to, you know, uh, clean it with some water. I need to see if I could stop it with a Band-Aid. Do we have Band-Aids? So all of these things went through my mind, but sort of in a very logical way. And so I was able to keep myself from sort of going over the edge by 
and being more logical and thinking about sort of the very next step that I need to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I, in that moment, my thoughts, you know, turn down that emotional experience, but it can go obviously the other way as well. Um, so if you take control of your self-talk, you can also keep yourself focused on the right things and manage your emotions more effectively. Like, and that's a perfect example of what I just said in that, you know, I had to keep myself focused on the right thing, which is number one, I have to, you know, close this wound, you know, this, this cut I had in my finger, um, instead of just standing here and worrying about it and bleeding all over the place, let's just go and just get, get, get it done. Just focus on the right things instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, I can't believe I happened. I'm so dumb. I can't, can't believe I just cut myself. I ruined dinner. You know, what all the, the emotions and thoughts that I could have had, um, I was able to sort of just control myself and, and bring myself down a little bit and just go and do the, the thing I had to do to focus on uh, the next right thing. So uh, positive self-talk can obviously help us uh, throughout our day. Um, but negative self-talk can hurt us. So it, it damages our ability to self-manage. So if you, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, if you have self-talk that's demeaning to yourself, that hurts yourself, well, you're not going to be able to manage yourself in any uh, particular way. You're not going to be able to self-manage, right? It's really unrealistic and self-defeating. Uh, again, you're not going to believe in yourself if you have a negative self-talk. And it can send you in a downward emotional spiral. So it could really uh, take yourself from a position where, you know, you're kind of even keel, where you're, um, you know, able to help yourself. And then you just go down and you just get all down on yourself and you go into this downward emotional spiral. So let's get into ways where uh, to take control of our soft talk. And just wanted to say hello to uh, people who are, have joined us online. I see that Dan has joined, uh, Kathleen has joined, John, uh, Brian I saw, Steve, Tim, in um, addition to those other ones that I saw before. So hello and welcome uh, to everyone who has joined. And uh, please, in the comments, uh, you know, let me know uh, if – if you agree with this, disagree, um, if you have examples in your own life where you've taken, um, where you've had a real emotional situation, we're able to really, you know, bring yourself down through self-talk or you intensified the emotions by sort of really getting into, really getting into it. So we'd love to see uh, your comments as well. So the first way to take control of your self-talk is by turning the, you know, I always or I never uh, just discussions into, you know, just this time or sometime statements. So, you know, let's just say, you know, you make a mistake, you know, at the office um, and, uh, you know, perhaps you made a typo in a brief. Let's just keep it real easy. Made a typo in a brief. And, you know, when you see that, you know, perhaps, you know, it, typos happen, right? Uh, but I think people get very perfectionist, very anal, and they might say, well, you know, I always make mistakes in my brief, you know, or, you know, I never am able to catch everything. Well, let's just turn that into a, a better self-talk, a, a more productive self-talk. So, you know, I made a typo in this brief, in this brief, just this time. Or, you know, I sometimes make mistakes in briefs right? You can just see the difference between the two. The first one is, 
you, you're taking it completely overboard. You're taking one situation, you make it into your whole life, where the other situation is you're just something happened, right? Something happened and happened this time, and then you move on. So, um, so you remind yourself by doing that that your actions are unique to the situation in front of you, no matter how often you think you mess up. And we think, you know, we all think we're so smart that we're able to recognize patterns in our own behavior, right? And so when we when we say that, well, I mean, it's I made a typo. I always make typos. I always make mistakes. Well, you know, that's not true. There are plenty of things that you've written over time. You've written emails. You've written letters. You've written briefs probably that have not, you know, did not have a typo. Um, so it's just just this time or sometimes, right? It's unique to the situation in front of you. And when you start treating each situation as its own and you stop beating yourself up over every mistake, uh, you'll stop making your problems bigger than they really are. And that's what you're doing through this negative self-talk is you're really taking one problem or one mistake that you made and you're making it way bigger than it deserves to be. You're giving it way more credence, way more credit than it deserves in your life. So that's uh, way number one to control your self-talk. Number two is to replace judgmental statements like, you know, I'm an idiot or I'm stupid with factual ones like I made a mistake, you know. Um, again, it's sort of the same thing that we talked about with number one, uh, just reminding ourselves that, you know, thoughts that attach a permanent label leave no room for improvement. So if you always make a mistake in your briefs, well, then there's nothing you can do to correct that, right? Because it's always going to happen because you always do it when you know that's not true, right? And you can improve your briefs by spell checking, by uh, editing them, by have someone else look at them. So there are lots of ways that you can prevent that from happening again um, and using your uh, factual statements that are objective, situational, and it helps you to focus on what you can change. So if you think about it, just like, oh, I made a mistake. How can I stop that from happening again? There are lots of ways to do that. I could have, you know, my partner down the hall or, or just an email away. I could talk to him and say, hey, can you look at this brief? Uh, I just want to have another pair of eyes look at it. Or I can, you know, just myself look, make, just have one more uh, reading of the brief before I send it off. Maybe I realize, well, you know, I usually read it over a few times. I actually only read it over once this time. That because I, you know, I was under a deadline or, or for whatever reason the client needed to see it. And therefore I wasn't able to uh, look at it the usual amount of times that I do. And therefore there was a mistake in the brief, right? So focus on, the, it helps you to focus on what you can change in your behavior. And then finally, you can control your self-talk by accepting responsibility for your actions and no one else's. So I think this is a big thing that a lot of people uh, deal with. So it's one of two things. <laughs> Either you're not taking, accepting responsibility for your actions or you're accepting responsibility for someone else's actions. So you think about, you know, that you can't control the actions of other people. So you shouldn't accept res responsibility for the actions of other people. Right. Um, and so uh, what they say in the, in this emotional intelligence 2.0 is that it's really commendable to accept responsibility for yourself and for your own actions 
but not when you carry someone else's burden. And so there are lots of things that, you know, you're not responsible for that uh, perhaps a, a friend or a family member or someone you work with, they're responsible for that, not you. And so if they make, make, make a mistake or they do something that annoys you, um, there's not really anything you can do about it. And you shouldn't take responsibility for someone else's bad act. Likewise, if you're always blaming other people, perhaps it's time to take responsibility for your own part. So if you're blaming someone else for, you know, I don't know, the way that you eat or the way that you work or whatever, like if you if you're blaming your boss all the time for not having enough work life balance or you're blaming uh, your kids for your inability to get a business off the ground um, or I don't know, hundreds of other things that you might make excuses for by blaming other people. Well, then you just have to turn it on yourself and just say, well, you know, yes, I can't control what they're doing, but I can certainly control what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, maybe my kids are making noise all the time, but that doesn't mean I can't just close the door and work on my business um, or, you know, a number of other things that I have to do um, in my life. So just some ways, I think, for us to think about sort of taking control of our own self-talk and to make it more positive, to look for um, ways that we can improve as opposed to that negative self-talk, which, you know, says, well, you can't improve any of this. Everything is just set. Everything is negative. Um, and it's because of your self-talk. It's not because of the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is we can always improve, right? If we want to improve our diet, if we want to improve our work situation, um, if you want to improve our money situation, our relationship, all of that can be improved, um, but we have to look for ways to improve it. And one of the ways to do that is by making sure that our self-talk is aligned with, uh, with positivity, with our way, with the ability to improve. Okay, so um, we're going to wrap up this discussion with talk, just giving a very brief overview of our book for today, which is, uh, or for this upcoming, you know, several segments of this uh, book club, which is Nonviolent Communication by uh, Marshall B. Rosenberg, PhD. We're going to be talking about how we can, you know, it, it helps us, I think, in two ways. One is going to be helping us with our self-talk, but also with our communication with others. So I think, you know, just starting off with some basic principles is what is meant by nonviolent communication? And what Dr. Rosenberg says, or what he's, he means when he says nonviolent is sort of our natural state of compassion, which does not use violent words that lead to hurt and pain. Uh, whether for others or ourselves. So again, I think when we talk about sort of our, our negative self-talk, um, we could do that by using some very violent words that will lead ourselves to hurt and pain, right? But um, what about sort of others? So how do we react when, you know, someone annoys us and it's bothering us? How do we uh, communicate what we need to others. So 
we communicate in a way where we can let that person know what we need. Now, this does not necessarily mean that they're going to go for everything that we say, of course, uh, because we can't control what other people do. Uh, but we at least can communicate in a way that puts us in a good position. So what Dr. Uh, Rosenberg says is that we want to communicate in a way that reminds us to keep our attention focused on a place where we are more likely to get what we are seeking. And it was so interesting, and we'll talk about this um, in a couple of weeks when we get when we actually begin this book. But this is not only sort of a you know a frou frou you know oh my gosh this is you know nonviolent and you know all you know flowers and roses. Um, this is actually a communication method that's been used in you know high stake high stakes political negotiations. Um, and so I think this is going to be very applicable to what we do as lawyers in terms of how do we communicate with our clients? How do we communicate in an adversarial uh, negotiation or mediation? It's going to help us uh, communicate what we want and need to jurors and to judges and to other courtroom personnel. It's going to help us in negotiations with opposing counsel as well. So I want you to think about this, not necessarily, not always in a, you know, uh, friendly, frou-frou type of way, but also a very practical way of communicating um, so that we can get what we want. Because think about it. When people use violent words towards us um, and intentionally you know, hurt us with, with their words, are you more prone to give them what you want? I think the answer is no, right? Now, yes, I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, you know, if people, if, if people are intimidating me or they're making me feel bad or they're um, – you know, oppressing me in some ways. So yeah, I mean, maybe I might give in depending on what it is. Uh, but oftentimes you have a very negative visceral reaction to what's going on. And so you're less apt to give that person what you want. And so, but if they, if they, and, and we'll learn this as we go along in this book, but the more that you're able to communicate in this nonviolent way, you're more able to put yourself in a situation where um, you're able to get what you want from people because, you know, I think, what do they say? Like if you, if you give honey, um, it's sweeter than I don't know what else. Um, there's, a, there's an end to that, um, that phrase. But um, yeah, so we're going to learn this communication method. It's, it's something that's been used uh, for years in uh, political negotiations, uh, settlement negotiations, something that we're going to be able to learn to improve our practices. So really looking forward to working with uh, all of you online. If you're interested in coming on, so what I did is um, there is actually a companion workbook that goes along with this book, um, and it's meant to... Um, to be something that you can use either by yourself or with a group. So I'm really interested in bringing on sort of a group of people to have a discussion with in terms of, you know, going through the principles and we're all learning this together. Um, and so hopefully, you know, if you're interested in that, reach out to me. Um, let me put up my slide with my contact information. Of course, you can reach out to me on social media. I'm at attorney DSY and most uh, social media channels I'm on. Uh, what Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram and Twitch on um, at Attorney DSY, and there's my phone number and email address. If you're interested in coming on and sort of learning these materials live and being part of the discussion, please reach out to me because I would love to have a group of you know, a smaller group of people just to have this discussion with, as well as a uh, discussion with people uh, through the comments. So please reach out to me if you're interested in doing that. Hope you hope you will. So uh, so next week we're not we're not going to have a show. We're going to be off. Um, it's been a while since we've had sort of a rest week, um, and it's again my uh, wife and mine twentieth uh, wedding anniversary. So we're very excited about that. We're going out of town. Oh, and finally, someone in the comments says you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Of course, that's that's the uh, that's the end of that phrase. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, so we're not going to have a show next week. Uh, we're going out of town for our anniversary and actually, uh, next Wednesday is, uh, our anniversary day. So we wouldn't have the show that night anyway. Um, so I thought we would take the week off. Uh, we'll hopefully get a, a good group of folks together who want to participate in this discussion. And then uh, we're going to dive right in on August 5th with uh, Chapter 1 of Nonviolent Communication, and it's called Giving from the Heart. And again, you know, I know it sounds very frou-frou, but I promise you it's going to have practical application to uh, the way that we're, we're going to want to communicate with every person that we deal with in our uh, professional lives. And so we're going to we're going to go through the introduction, and then we're going to go through the overview of the components and process of nonviolent communication. So that's what we're going to be doing on August fifth. And I just want to thank all of you uh, for joining today. Uh, I know it's a solo show, so you know sometimes that can be a little boring. But I, I thought it was important to go through this information um, to give everyone a context for what we're going to be doing over the next you know, several weeks uh, with this book. So I'm really excited, uh, really excited to have uh, this discussion with you over the next few weeks. And just remember everyone that emotional intelligence is necessary for all lawyers and we can learn these skills together. So thank you everyone again for joining me and I will see you on August 5th for the continuation of this, of this uh, book club with nonviolent communication. Take care everyone. Thank you so much for listening in. If you weren't able to join the live version of the program, that's okay because there's plenty of ways to join the discussion. You can leave me a voicemail by going to anchor.fm slash attorneydsy and hitting that message button. You can leave me a comment for me to play on the show or a question for me to answer. You could also leave me a comment or question on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at attorneydsy. I'm also on LinkedIn on my personal profile, so let me know if you have any comments about this episode. Tell me what you think about this podcast or give me a topic you'd like to hear about. This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, and Anchor, so please be sure to subscribe and rate and review. I also want to invite you to the next session of the Lawyer's Emotional Intelligence Book Club. We're going to be continuing on with Dr. Marshall Rosenberg's book, Nonviolent Communication. The next session will be Wednesday, August 5th at 7 p.m. Central. You can find out more at facebook.com slash lawyerseq. Have a great day or night, and remember to fight for the lifestyle that you want and become the rainmaker that you need to be.